How's it going, everyone? My name is Jansen Yamut, and this is Orthopedic Fix Podcast, episode number one. I'm going to title this podcast, Should We Stretch the Upper Traps? Why or Why Not? And as an orthopedic physical therapist, are you stretching the upper traps for cervical pain? So when I first started practicing an outpatient, I was trying to find my groove for treatment styles. As a new therapist, I was still somewhat impressionable as I did not have a big bag of treatment methods or, or toolbox, as everyone says, um, to pull from. So that being said, I definitely had colleagues that were doing upper trap stretches. And at the time, I was seeing a lot of post-op from a physician or from a surgeon that was referring to us. And every one of his protocols had upper trap stretches. So I thought, hey, you know, this this everyone's doing it. There's there's got to be something to it, and I'm just gonna do it. Not to mention in school, really what we touched on for upper trap stretching was you need to stretch the upper traps because they're usually short and over dominant. So as time went on, I started to think why are we doing this? Why am I stretching the upper traps? What is the point that I'm trying to get out of this treatment method? It's literally the first thing that pulls up in Google when you search neck pain or neck pain exercises is, is stretch the upper trap. So as I started to research this more and the further that I got into my fellowship, I realized that stretching upper traps is not always the best treatment option. And I'm going to go over why here in just a minute. So not to bore everyone to death, but let's go over a quick anatomy lesson just to see the complexity of the upper trap. So the origin originates from the nuchal ligament, the medial superior nuchal line, posterior border of the lateral one-third of the clavicle, the acromion process, and the spine and the scapula. It inserts on the external occipital protuberance, which that will be important, I'll explain in a minute. The spinous process, the vertebrae C7 through T12, nuchal ligament, on, and the occipital bone. With that being said, there's three different fiber orientations of the, of the upper trap, as everyone knows. So the actions are rotation, retraction, elevation, and depression of the scapula. So the upper and lower traps are force coupled along with the serratus anterior for upward rotation of the scapula. Also, the lower fibers cause posterior tilting of the scapula during overhead movement. So just kind of a clinical pearl, this is, this is good to look at if you have anterior tipping of the scapula during, you know, any movement of the upper extremity, you got to look at the lower trap because it does have insertions onto um, the lower part or the inferior pole of the scapula, which would cause it to tilt posteriorly. Okay, so back to stretching. So let's look at the tissue that we're treating. So when we're looking at the upper trap, it's obviously muscle tissue. So what are the goals of stretching a muscle? Typically... They are to prevent injury, increase flexibility, lengthen the muscles, increase joint range of motion, prevent delayed onset of muscle soreness or DOMS, and increase mechanoreceptor activity, which can help in, uh, which can help improve coordination. Okay, so a lot of people have soreness in the upper traps and they have trigger points in the upper traps, but what causes these? And do passive treatments like stretching, trigger point release, dry needling, do those really help? Yes, they feel good because you're you're working on the trigger point, but what is the cause of the trigger point? What's the underlying cause of the cause of the pain? So let's say you do have muscle soreness in the upper traps. What's causing that? 
and is stretching going to help it? Research shows that prolonged static stretches actually decrease the lumen of the capillaries, which will decrease the ability of the muscle to get rid of excess metabolites if there is breakdown in that muscle tissue. And then from a pre preventative standpoint, there's a good systematic review on static stretching, and it basically says that um, there, there's no beneficial... There, there's no benefit of stretching upper traps to prevent injury. So now that we have some foundation laid down, let's take a look at the scapula position only in regards to if it's superior or inferior. We'll get into later if it's abducted, adducted, internally rotated, externally rotated, anteriorly tipped, and so forth. But for the purpose of this episode, let's only look at superior and inferior positions. So when assessing the scapular position in regards to superior and or inferior positioning, I look from the posterior view of the patient, I look from the anterior view of the patient. Typically, their clavicle should have about a 15 to 20 degree inclination from horizontal. So when you're looking at someone, their clavicle should be pointed up slightly um, in the vertical direction. If they do not have this, it could mean that their scapula is depressed or their, their whole shoulder complex is depressed. So to confirm this or to build on my diagnosis of the scapular position, when I look posteriorly, what I'm looking for is a superior angle of the scapula should be aligned with T2. So I put my finger, I count down to C6, I put my finger where I think the C6 spinous process is, I extend their neck and I feel for it to disappear. And then from there, I'll flex the patient's head down very slowly, counting each spinous process until I arrive at the T2 spinous process. Which, by the way, for the longest time, I always thought that the C6 spinous process went anteriorly for some reason. I thought it was causing like an anterolysthesis. That's why I was disappearing. But after research and talking to Peter and Tim through uh, Manual Therapy Institute, I realized that it just went inferiorly, which makes a whole lot more sense than causing an anterolysis. I don't know why I thought that, or if anyone else thinks that, but I just thought that was cool once I figured out where it actually went. Okay. So now that we know that the, now that we have built in our, our diagnosis of where the scapular position is, we need to look at the strength of the upper trap. The upper trap should pull the scapula upwards and a lot of times, well, the way that I used to test upper trap is I would just have them sh have the patient shrug their shoulders, and I'd push down as hard as I could, and it always felt like a five out of five. So I was just assumed that they had five out of five strength in their upper traps. What I like to check now is I have them raise both arms in a full flexion, and then I have them perform a shrug to end range. So I, I lift the I lift their whole shoulder complex up bilaterally. Well, I'll have a video of this on my Instagram page, but so I'm grabbing the whole shoulder complex, I'm raising it up superiorly, and then I'm having them hold against gravity. I like for them to hold for about five seconds. If I'm treating a younger patient or an athlete, I say at least 10 second holds would be considered normal. And um, what I mean by normal is, is no depression of the arms or no depression of the scapula during the testing. Typically, they're going to be weak. And typically, they're going to be more weak on the involved side or the side with pain. To further elaborate on this, I think that the reality of most people's jobs is a lot of people are sitting down for work. They're working on a computer all day. Gravity is pulling down their shoulder blades. It's stretching their trap. So I think a lot of times people have a lengthened upper trap and not a short upper trap. 
Therefore, stretching the upper trap, it, it, it's really not going to help at all, and it can cause more harm than good. I'll explain more of that on a second. So with all that being said, we should we should definitely not stretch the upper trap, as it can cause for further cervical extension, kind of going back to the anatomy that we just talked about. So I'll go over this more in depth on future podcasts, but let's briefly discuss the transitional zones in the spine. Because of the changing facet orientations, transitional zones are usually hypomobile. So in the cervical spine, there's there's differing facet orientations at C01, 12, 23, and 34. Because of that, you're typically going to see hypomobilities here. So the hypomobility is going to pick back up at the CT junction, and then again at the TL junction, and then sometimes again at L5-1. So with that being said, now we've set up an environment with you know, C0 to 4 potentially being hypomobile, as well as the CT junction being hypomobile. And so now you have C4-5, 5-6, and 6-7 that are typically hypermobile. And what do you know? These are the levels that are most affected during, on most MRIs, I should say. So if you want further proof on that, there's actually a study, Patterns of Cervical Disc Degeneration. It's an analysis of MRI, or I'm sorry, MRIs over a thousand symptomatic subjects. It's done by Dr. Suzuki, Dr. Dobbs, Dr. Hayashi, and a couple other physicians. And they have the same findings that 5, 6, and 6, 7 are the most common affected nerve, root, nerve roots. I'm sorry, C5, 6, and 6, 7 are the most affected spinal levels and cervical pain. So again, we'll build on this in a later podcast, but this is where you're going to see most of your radiculopathies at these levels. And this is where you can start building your nerve root involvement hypothesis, your movement diagnosis, and your treatment plan. So don't stretch the upper traps and shred strengthen them. So what I like to do is I have the patient stand staggered facing the wall I have them put their forearms on the wall, I have them shrug up slightly with their forearms on the wall, and then I have them pull their shoulders up as high as they can, keeping good deep neck flexion, and I'd like for them to hold that for 10 seconds. Usually I only have them do about 5 of these, because that's plenty. That should be enough to fatigue the upper traps. And then if, you know, if they do well with that, I might have them do 2 or 3 sets. So I think a lot of the issues in neck pain and shoulder shoulder pain, I think a lot of the issues in neck pain and shoulder pain arise from prolonged positioning, as well as many other things, but this is a different topic. But for the sake of this argument, we have to look at a person's habits throughout the day. So for positioning, if someone's working on the computer all day, I actually want my patients to have slight elevation of their shoulders passively though. So the way that they can do this at work is they can rest their elbows on their armrest, they can raise their armrest up just a little bit, or if they can scoot their chair into their desk and rest their elbows on their desk, just to prevent the upper traps from being stretched all day. Again, I don't want them to actively elevate their shoulders, but I do want them to have them elevated passively so they're not lengthening their upper traps all day. All right, I think this is a conversation you should have if you are stretching upper traps, to step back and think, why am I doing this? And is this going to help the patient? And just another clinical pearl that I wanted to talk about. Typically, if there is a shoulder issue, there is a neck issue, as well as a thoracic spine issue, there could potentially be an elbow and a wrist issue. So when you're when you're looking at the upper trap, or you're looking at shoulder pain, you're looking at neck pain, really you have to assess the whole quarter. The way that I think is if there's a movement impairment, 
at the shoulder or the neck, it's going to really translate down all the way into the wrist and the fingers sometimes. So you really got to look at the patient as a whole. I know that's very cliche, but really assess everything on that chain to make sure that you're giving the most streamlined treatment and that you're getting the patient better as quickly as you can. That's really all I wanted to discuss today. If you like this podcast, please let me know. It's my first one. So thanks everyone for listening.